You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy Monday, everybody. Matt Miguez here. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Once again, Matt Miguez, producer extraordinaire slash the co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh. James, what's going on, bud? How are you? Wow. Doing great right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet you are. You are you're you're a happy guy today, ain't you? Oh, got free spaghetti, which was pretty bomb, delicious. By the way, thank shout you, out, m- thank you, Mrs. Parsh. Shout shout out, Mama Parsh, for for hooking hooking the crew up with some delicious homemade spaghetti, and and she didn't let up on the meatballs, no, she which did not. I enjoyed. Um, you, you know, you ever go to an Italian restaurant and like. They give you like, like maybe two. three meatballs, yeah. Like, come on, man, we're not here for the red sauce and noodles. <laughs> the red sauce. Like, give me, give me the meat. Give, give me the meatballs. Give me the meatball. God, what a weekend, man! The NFL draft. The Saints did not screw up. The at Saints, all. dude. The Saints nailed it. Nailed it. They went in, addressed key needs. Didn't do a whole lot of moving, stayed patient, knew what they had. And then nobody's even talking about the 17 undrafted free agents that we signed. I mean, honestly, the Saints killed it this weekend. They really, really did. And then today, they just keep the train rolling. Because Tyron Matthew is coming home. Reported by Adam Schefter earlier that he will sign a three-year, $33 million deal with New Orleans. $18 million of it is guaranteed. Louisiana's probably the truest definition of a prodigal son. Born in New Orleans, went to St. Augustine, played at LSU... Can't get much more Louisiana than that. And then he is returning to finish out his pro career in the city that raised him. I mean, can you can you write a better story than that? James, I don't think you can. You really can't. Especially after the way things ended at LSU. I mean, the kid hit rock bottom, getting kicked off the football team at LSU. Worked his way back, got into the league, and is now getting to return home and playing for the Saints. I was also told that, like a a couple of other reasons, one of them being that he wanted to help the New Orleans area. Uh He wanted wanted to help and do a lot of community work. So that's very good. Which I'm, I'm. Love that. Which Tyron has done throughout his career. Of course. But being able to do it in his home city. Right, for sure. For the for his home team. I mean, yeah, that's no. even that's uh, even better. Again, you, you couldn't write a better story. Uh, it, it's a need that the Saints have. 
you get him for not a whole lot of money. I mean, let's be honest, $11 million for a safety who's still playing solid football is not a lot of money. It's not. Uh, the guy had 76 tackles and three interceptions last year. He's still playing over – he's still playing above average pro football at 29 years old. I know that some people were skeptical because of his injury history and, and whatever, but it's a good deal. And the Saints are going to benefit from it tremendously. The fans absolutely love it. And and you put those two things together, that's all that matters. So Tyron Matthew coming home. Saints got five good draft selections. We'll talk about that with Ross Jackson in the 5 o'clock hour. LSU baseball winning the series against the top 25 team. Very crucial, very important weekend for them. They did it yesterday in, in pretty dramatic fashion. We'll get into that at 4.30 with Wentz. Wilson Alexander for our weekly Tiger Talk segment. Cajuns going up to Boone, winning two out of three. First two games very convincingly. And then yesterday, I don't really know how to explain yesterday. Gave up gave up a lot of freebies, which Matt Deggs has, has preached time and time again that this team can't do. Cajuns softball extending their conference record to 72 straight series ridiculous ridiculous uh they have a shot to win the regular season sunbelt championship this weekend at home on, on on the road in uh in monroe today's poll question going back to that saints news with tyron matthew how do you feel about the honey badger coming home are you loving it are you meh you know it's okay or do you think that the saints paid too much so far we have 17 votes on the poll question and every single one of you say love it who dat martin martin brought up an interesting question okay what you on got? facebook what you got he had said do we think Taysom Hill's going to give up seven for Honey Badger? Absolutely not. And I was going to say, I don't think so either. Seven and 18 are an LSU thing. He's been wearing 32 his whole career in the NFL. So, and I think that's actually open. And 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 the other reason is Taysom wears seven in honor of his brother who died in a car accident in 2016. Taysom Hill's not giving up the number seven. That I I I would be very surprised if Taysom would would do that. Um, I get why fans would want to see Tyron in seven. I get why Tyron I, might the, want to wear seven. The one guy, the guy that's wearing thirty two right now is Bryce Thompson. <laughs> Who? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, he's a corner. So that that's it. Easy. He that's he can, mine. Now. He can give it up. Yeah. Can't can't you go wear like thirty seven? Who, who's who's going to know the difference? Um, that's if that's if he does make the final. If he, if he stays on the team, right? Yeah. So here, another big story from the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended six games by the league for violating the league's performance enhancing drug policy, and according to sources, now again according to sources. 
This is rumored. Three different types of antibiotic, anabolic steroids were found in Hopkins' system. I had, I had somebody comment on a post about it. They said, if D-Hop's going to get six games for that, Kamara's about to get a full year. James, you think you think Kamara's going to get a full year? No, but I don't like that type of energy. Don't I say mean, that. Goodell hates the Saints. It's he proven. Does. We, <laughs> it, it's proven. It is. We just need to hear it from he himself. Could, he could get eight. Kamara could get eight games for breathing the wrong way. In in this league, but you know, I, I get the the punishment, right? But at the same time, it it brings up an interesting conversation because. The NFL now has a track record of doing some very strange, not very strange. The word I want to use is not keeping consistency with their punishment. You know, for for perfect example, Kamara, you're hearing numbers anywhere from, from four games to... 10 to 12, yet you've got guys that, like Joe Mixon. How long was Joe Mixon suspended? What was it, four games? Granted, his incident wasn't while he was in the NFL, but it's still, and and he served most of his uh, suspension while he was in Oklahoma. He was suspended for the whole season. But it's just the NFL can't figure out, like they need to set a a chart, I guess would be the word. This action gets this suspension. This action gets this suspension. And you stick to it. James, you agree? I, pr- I pretty much agree with it. I mean, it... It it feels a little too cut and dry because, I mean, sometimes actions can be taken to higher levels. So it feels like, okay, well, this one, this one's a little more aggressive, I guess you could say. So it feels like that one, we have it down as a six game, but really I think that deserves more of a eight, eight, eight or nine game suspension. You're talking about Hopkins. Like, like just any action. You know okay, I mean? yeah. Like, like there's levels to it. Right. Like, it feels like if you're punishing somebody for having 10 different types of steroids compared to three and they both only get six, it's like, does, doesn't it feel like the, the guy with the 10 should get more than just right. six? And, th- and that's, you know what that, I mean? that's the point I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um, but what, what, I was, what I was hearing from you is if it's steroids, it's this many. Like, it doesn't matter how many it is. Yeah, maybe, maybe I explained it the wrong way. I, I'm I'm kind of saying more of what you were trying to say. Okay, you know, de- if if you've got a guy, you have you have you have maybe a range, right? Right. Here here's a ballpark for each one. Like steroids is four to seven games. Yeah. So it's like that, a, if you only do like one, okay, what, you get a four. But that's if you're what doing, I was getting at. If that's you're doing in the double digits, okay, you, you're gonna get a seven. You're right. gonna get the seven game. Right. Okay. We'll talk more about that as well as 
we will dive into each of the Saints' draft selections from this weekend. Five picks. They signed 17 undrafted free agents. We'll talk about all of that. Ten Tigers got taken in the draft as well. We'll talk about that with Wilson Alexander at 4.30. We'll take a timeout. And when we return, Saints draft talk. Who is our favorite pick? Who is our surprise? Who's our favorite undrafted free agent? All that and more here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I, I just saw something pop up, and I found it was interesting. Okay, what you got? So, apparently the Jags just invited Clemson, not football, but basketball player, Nas Bohannon, to their rookie minicamp. Well, I had seen <laughs> um, there's a basketball player from Texas Tech, Marcos... Santos Silva, I believe is his name. And he was he's a Texas Tech basketball player and he just got invited to Browns minicamp. Interesting. Pick up the basketball players. Is this the new meta? Apparently Jimmy Graham started something. Didn't Tony Gonzalez also play basketball? I want to say he did, yeah. Same thing. So with, no, not okay. I, I'm, same thing I, with Mo Alley Cox. I stand corrected. Marcus Santos Silva. Marcos Santos Silva plays for Texas Tech. The Browns are signing him as oh. an undrafted free agent. Oh, so it's not even. No, he's on the team. He's just, they just signed him. Okay, as a tight end. Ooh. He's he's a big boy now. I was gonna say Nas. Nas might have to put on like maybe another ten pounds, but he's six six two thirty two. He is, he is six six two sixty one. Is Santos Silva? He's got to slim down a little bit. He he's a big boy now. He might have to slim down. Um. He completes his college career with twelve hundred points, almost a thousand rebounds, and sixty one block shots. So, pretty good basketball player. Football doesn't work out for him. <laughs> There's always a fallback of going back to the original going plan. back to basketball, right? Uh, interesting news that I saw during the break as well. Jose Altuve has been activated. Oh. And he will be in the lineup tonight. Oh. As the Astros take on the Mariners. <clears throat> Five names. Getting our revenge tonight. The Murners. The Murners. Getting the revenge tonight. All right, let's do this. Let's go through the five draft picks. Obviously, we have talked about Chris Olave. We've talked about Trevor Penning. The three guys from the weekend. Alante Taylor is a corner from Tennessee. Now, I'm going to be honest. I've never heard of the kid. But if he's an SEC corner 
and we drafted him in the second round with a defensive-minded head coach, he's got to be pretty good. Yeah, and it was the fact that what made it interesting to me was that people thought he was going to be a day three guy, yep. but early on. So it was, it was interesting to me how they picked him in the midway through the second round. Yeah. So it was like, is that kind of a reach? But honestly, I don't see if I don't see it as a reach if he pans out and he plays like you would you would think like a second or third rounder would be. So if if he's if he's a quality player and isn't gone by the second year, I, I think that was I think that was a good uh, a good investment. Now, my guy Demarco Jackson, the guy we took in the fifth round, uh-huh. dude, love him. I love this. I love this. Played at App State, started for four years. Was named Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Year a year ago. He had 120 tackles with 19 of them for loss and six sacks. In his career at App, he had 295 tackles with 35 tackles for loss and 11 and a half sacks. And he's also a special teams guy, which the Saints are really going to like because they like linebackers that can play special teams. And DeMarco Jackson can do that for you. Um, Interesting statistic, though. He is the first player that the Saints have ever selected from Appalachian State, making App State the 173rd college or university the Saints have selected a player from. So the Saints have picked a player from 173 different institutions of higher learning. That's pretty wild. There's only 250 right now? 250 football programs? About that? Or is it more? Division 1 is 130. Okay. I'm talking um, I'm talking about in total. Like across oh, across the U.S. I'm sure there's more than that. Like D1, D2, D3, all the way down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, there's got to there's got to be more than that. You you think it's about? Oh yeah, like four hundred. I, I think it's probably closer to four or five hundred. Okay. Yeah. Um. Because I I always thought it was in my eyes I thought it was always like around the three hundred range. Yeah, I I, I think there I think there's got to be more than that. I could be wrong. Uh, we'll have to look that up because that's interesting. Also, looking at DeMarco Jackson, he is the only FBS player in the 2000s with a season that included 120 tackles, 19 for loss, six sacks, and six passes defended (laughs) in the same season. (laughs) I just I looked up how many college football programs are there. It says... Record 778 colleges and universities are now offering football. Oh, so Lord, we were both off. I, I was probably thinking more of like Division One, Division Two, like the, the right. two, the two or three biggest ones, Division right. Three. But overall, seven hundred. There's almost eight hundred. Yeah, universities I, I that guess, offer football. I guess some places you because you're, you're also thinking of junior college. Yeah, you've got JUCOs, and yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Community uh, community was, colleges as well. I was probably thinking of more of like. Bigger the, schools, yeah, like how there's like a top 300 colleges uh, for football. Like you have the top 25, but they have like the top 300 overall. Right, right. 
Um, here's an interesting topic in talking about the draft. The, the last Saints guy that got drafted was Jordan Jackson, the defensive tackle from Air Force. Again, don't know a whole lot about the kid. All I know is he fits that that edge rusher mold. Yeah, because er- um, everybody's got to be at least six four. Everyone except Cam Jordan is six five and above. The tape that I saw looked impressive. Bull rusher. Yeah, his tape that I saw looked impressive. Uh, but I mean, I don't have a reason to pay attention to Air Force. I mean, so yeah, I just don't know much about the kid. So you, you you would say you're most excited about Demarco of the three that aren't in the first round? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm excited about Alante myself. I don't know a lot about him either, but seeing his video that he posted, like you know how right after you get drafted, like they mm-hmm. had got Chris Olave and Trevor Penning to like be like excited to be a part of the Saints and right, the right. organization. Can't wait to get to work. He hearing him talk and hearing his energy he had a lot of energy that gave yep. that gave me a, a lot of excitement. Is like. This is like exactly what you need, just in case someone like Chauncey goes down. Then what? Where's the juice coming from? Alante could be that guy. Yep. No, you're right. I I I definitely agree. And and hearing him hearing his interview right after he got drafted with him being on the Zoom with people like Nick Underhill and Catherine Terrell and everybody else in New Orleans talking to him, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I like this guy. I like I like the way he talks. He's he's willing to change. Originally, he was a wide receiver. Then he got changed the corner. But he played a little bit of nickel and played a little bit of safety during practices. But he also explained, I don't mind. Like, if you need me to be a safety, I'm not the most comfortable, but I can get used to it, and I'm right. willing to change if it means I have a better yep. overall career. Vers- Versatility is big. Exactly. It's big. I love it. I love it. Here's something that's interesting, and it relates to who we cover. It's an LSU topic of conversation. Cade York gets drafted in the fourth round by the Cleveland Browns. It was the highest kicker selected in like six years. Since Robert Guairo got taken in the second round. Okay, yeah. It was in yeah. 18. Tw- was that 18? I, th- I think Aguero? it was. Yeah, because he was out of there by in two years. Or it might have been, been 20. Yeah, 2018 sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, so four years. Um, but here's here's the interesting thing. They draft him in the fourth round on Saturday. This morning, the Cleveland Browns announced that they have released Chase McLaughlin and Chris Blewett. Meaning, two days after they drafted Cade York, he is the only kicker on the roster. He's that guy. He is that guy. I love it. Or at least he's going to be that guy. He will be that guy. It says, while it was a given that York would enter training camp as the favorite to win the job, it was expected that the Browns would at least keep McLaughlin around to at least give the appearance of a kicking competition. It was actually 2016 for Aguero. Okay, so I was right. Six years. Um. So, yeah, obviously Browns fans thought that there would be a competition between York and, and one of the guys, but the Browns said, nah, this is our dude. We know what we have. No, we don't. We don't have to do anything. That, yeah. that is there, there's, there's no competition. It's his job. <laughs> He's. Got, it's literally only him. It's his job. Um, favorite undrafted free agent from the Saints. Oh, 
the name alone, Smoke Monday, got me. Smoke Monday. And then and then let's go into the fact that he drove by Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta and instantly started talking crap about how Atlanta's going to have to play him twice a year. <laughs> uh, how awesome is that? So, so we, yeah. So we got... I'm trying to I'm trying to find like the whole list. I've got the list right here. Uh, let's see, Demarcus Fields, the DB from Texas Tech, kid's good. Uh, Vincent Gray, another DB from Michigan. Another DB, Jack Corner from Iowa. I thought he would have been a linebacker. He looks like a good, he kind of looks a lot like Pete. Yeah, he does. He kind of has that same build. Smoke, Smoke Monday. Joe DeBlanco. Joel. Joel DeBlanco. Joel DeBlanco. From Cincy. From Cincy. Isaiah Pryor from Notre Dame. He's a good player. I like him. Well, this one says Ohio State. I'm looking on the Saints website. They wrote they wrote Isaiah Pryor, linebacker, Ohio State. Uh, this article says that he's from Notre Dame. Huh. And it's got a picture of him playing at Notre Dame. <laughs> this one's got him wearing number 14 at Ohio State. Interesting. We'll have to dive into that. Yes. Um, Nefei Sewell, which... Is the Another. little brother of Panesul. Yep. So this one's a lot. He's a linebacker though from Utah. Yeah, love that. Sage Doxtator. It's a pretty cool last name. Doxtator. Yeah. He's an O lineman from New Mexico State. Lewis Kidd is an O lineman from Montana State. You have Derek Schweiger, offensive lineman from Iowa State. I could see him being a backup guard. Offensive lineman Eric Wilson from Penn State. Uh, they didn't use a great picture here. It's him getting beat. This one's tapping the running back on the head. We got a kicker from Virginia Tech, John Parker Romo. We have a punter from UC Davis, Daniel Whelan. This one is probably one of my favorites. Uh, running back Abram Smith out of Baylor. Saints must really like him because they signed him to a $225,000 contract today. So... Could could see him as the number three it's guy. Not, it's not every day that you hand a UDFA that kind of money. Is it is it time to say bye to Tony Jones? Uh, practice squad. Well, I mean, I mean for the actual roster. Oh yeah, I think I think Tony will have to go to the yeah to the practice squad, but I think Abram is going to take over his spot. This is another guy I like, Lucas Kroll, the tight end from Pitt. Kenny Pickett threw to him a lot last year, so I like that. Uh, needed a really good tight end. Rashid Shahid from Weber State, from Weber State. I was gonna say, I we I actually funny story. This one this one's gonna be quick. But my dad had met with the parents of a Weber State softball player uh, at the airport. I think interesting. Uh, like they had gotten on a plane with us or with my dad and. They they had come over for for occasions for occasion series, huh. and we we had had them over a Sunday afternoon for lunch. That's cool. Yeah, so we we had the the parents and the daughter. Sports sports quiz for you. Who's a six time NBA All Star that came from Weber State? Six time All Star. Uh huh. I don't know. Damian Lillard. Oh oh, Damian went to Weber. I didn't. He know went that. he went to Weber State. And then uh, the last one that they mention is Nickel State wide receiver Dejon Dixon. 
Yeah. This kid's going to be good. He killed the if Cajuns. I were, if I, I was going to say, if I recall correctly, he had a pretty good game against the Cajuns this year. Almost 200 yards. Yeah. He killed the Cajuns earlier this year. Um, so excited about that. Again, I think the Saints had a hell of a weekend, and they just topped it off today by by signing Tyron Matthew. I mean, again, yeah. prodigal. Yeah, four, 14, 198, and a couple of touchdowns. Yeah. 14 catches. Let, let's not even let, let's not that's, even talk about over, the 200 yards and <laughs> that's over that's over half of yeah. the completions for Lindsey Scott to Co- him. Correct. Correct. Lindsey Scott's statistics in that game were ridiculous. Insane. He had almost 500 yards of offense. Yeah, he had 120 rushing and then 360 passing. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Let's take a time out when we return. It's time for Tiger Talk with Wilson Alexander, LSU Baseball, and we'll talk about a couple of surprises out of Baton Rouge in terms of the NFL draft. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard's has some of the best boiled crawfish and boiled shrimp and boiled crabs, as well as fried and grilled seafood, po' boys, and a seafood buffet. Go sign up for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, welcome back to me- Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. LSU baseball taking two out of three over number 16, Georgia. And the one that they lost was fairly competitive. It was a pretty good game. They won 6-2 Friday, lost 12-7 on Saturday, and then rebounded yesterday 4-3 with a walk-off two-run homer from Cade Doty. Let's dissect this series and we'll talk about some draft news from LSU. Ten players getting drafted. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that with the advocates Wilson Alexander. It's time for Tiger Talk. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander, good afternoon, my man, how's your Monday going? Oh, it's going really well. That was quite the intro. Good to be talking with y'all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking at this weekend series as a whole, LSU was incredibly competitive, you know, winning two out of three against the top 25 team. But, you know, Friday really had to get them going in the right direction. I mean, four runs in the first three innings, and then you add two insurance runs in the fourth and seventh, 
and then you only hold them to two runs on nine hits. I mean, a pretty impressive defensive performance out of this team. Yeah, it was great just to get them started on the weekend. Uh, you know, Mikhail Hilliard has been really reliable at the front of this rotation. You know, he might not be a front-line starter for every single team in the country, every single SEC team, but he's just he just goes out there, you, you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. It's usually like five or six innings, maybe one or two runs. It always gives you a chance to win the game. I mean, you go back to 2019, he hasn't lost a game. He's had a bunch of no decisions in there as well, but he hasn't lost a start since like 2019. And so he got them started on a great, um, just for the, on the weekend going, you know, five, uh, six innings, excuse me, um, only allowing, uh, two runs, scattering of eight hits with seven strikeouts. And it just sort of, he set the tone for the whole thing. But, I um, mean, they got some timely hitting as well. Um, you know, just throughout the lineup and, and Kate Doty had a couple RBIs in there as well. Um, so it was just a really solid start to the weekend for them. And then, you know, on Saturday, Georgia comes out with, with their stud, Jonathan Cannon, and, and the Tigers were actually able to to hit him around pretty well. They got eight hits off of him, four runs, uh, only one strikeout to, to Cannon's credit. They scored four runs in, in the second inning to jump out to an early, you know, 4-3 lead thereafter two, and you kept it close. It was 8-7 to seven going into the ninth. Georgia was leading, but then you give up four runs in, in the ninth, six home runs in the game total. You know what? I don't want to say what went wrong, but like what happened Saturday to where where Georgia, you know, kind of got back in the series. Yeah, LSU's pitcher just kind of it didn't really matter who they put out there that day. Just couldn't stop the bleeding. Um, Georgia, I think every single LSU pitcher that day um, gave up a run at least one, and and they just could not stop Georgia um, from scoring. You know, they, they couldn't stop that onslaught. And over time, it just piled up. Like you said, they cut it down to 8-7 to seven there in the late innings, um, but Georgia right turned right back around and stretched out the lead again. And so it, it kind of started with the starting pitching. Blake Money only went two innings. Um, and then when you have to use that many relievers on the weekend, I mean, LSU's bullpen has been pretty strong this year. It's, it's got so many options. It's really deep, but it just got to a point where Georgia was able to just, you know, tee off with a bunch of home runs. They used six of them in that game, and um, it just kind of got away from LSU at the end. Yeah, six home runs, two by Acton, two by Connor Tate, and then two by Parks, Har- Har- Parks Harbor. And then, Wilson, I also followed up on the, the pitching statistics. Everybody but one gave up a run. Riley Cooper was the yeah, only yeah, relief guy to, to not give up a run. And then yesterday, you know, you, you come back yesterday, you're down 3-2 going into the ninth, you get a runner on, and, and then Kay Doty just gets a hold of one and, and sends it to the left field scoreboard to, to walk it off and take the series. How crucial was it to win this series against a ranked opponent going into May, you know, the last month of the regular season? Oh, it was absolutely vital. I mean, you look at it now, you're looking at this game and you say, oh, now you can say LSU's won five out of its last uh, six conference games. It looks a little bit different if after getting swept by Arkansas, you know, you continue to have that sort of up and down weekend. Now you can look at it and say, okay, well, okay, maybe LSU's really turning the corner here, starting to build some positive momentum, coming off that sweep of Missouri. Now you've won two of three against Georgia. 
Um, these are both teams that are have, especially Georgia, having some pretty good years. I mean, Missouri, I think, just went and took two out of three against Mississippi State. Mississippi State has not been good this year, but that's still, you know, you can point to that and say, hey, look, we beat them too. And so it was really important for them to take that win. And yeah, you mentioned Cade's home run. I mean, just the moment it left the bat. I don't think Cade realized it the moment it left the bat that it was gone, but everybody else certainly did. Um, the, it just had that sound to it where you thought, oh, okay, gone. Uh, it was really important that, you know, they got Jaden Woods, Jay Minson this after the game. In Saturday's game, they got him to throw 38 pitches. So when he came out on Sunday, he wasn't quite as effective. And LSU with Jacob Berry and then Kate Doty was able to take advantage of it. But this is a game LSU felt like it deserved to win. It really did play pretty well throughout the day, but less some opportunities on the base pass. Um, but the pitching was really good all day long. And so for them to be able to uh, eventually take that game at the very end, uh, was crucial and just a really nice uh, moment for that team. Chatting with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate here on Tiger Talk. All right, Wilson, now LSU ranked number 20 in the nation. You got a home game against Nichols tomorrow, and then you go on the road to play three against Alabama. Alabama's not having a great year, but you know I, I've heard a lot of people say this. Even if they're not having the best year, a conference opponent, especially a divisional conference opponent is a threat what did Jay Johnson have to say about the week ahead and you know what's just kind of the mindset of this team yeah it's important it's going to be uh, you know it's like we were saying SEC series is is difficult but um you know they're in a good spot right now uh I think everybody's wondering okay are they going to host postseason games you go and you win two out of three or you sweep Alabama and you put yourself in an even better chance to do that with their RPI sitting right now at 16. Like you said, getting in the back end of the top 25 right now and kind of rising back up to those rankings. Um, if you can go and win this series, maybe you can sweep it. You put yourself in an even better spot. Let's transition to football now. You know, looking at the looking at the NFL draft, 10 Tigers were taken. And probably the biggest surprise was Derek Stingley because – a lot of mock drafts you looked at, you know, Stingley was going seven, eight, nine. Some people had him falling out of the top ten. And then Houston goes up and, and snags him at three. Now clearly Stingley is is a third overall talent, but at least from my perspective, I did not expect his name to be called with a third overall pick. Yeah, I never know what to make of an NFL draft and not, you know, like talking to NFL brand you know gms and stuff like that like maybe some folks doing mock drafts are so it's hard for me to like fully predict where somebody's going to go you know but like they there was a mock espn mock draft a few days before matt miller i think it was who had stingley at number three to the texans so it's like all right well it's in the realm of possibility but it's still amazing just to see all of the conjecture that had been going and you know sort of discourse that had been going on around him for so many months in here it was kind of uh, I sort of chuckled a little bit. <laughs> I was like, okay, after all of that, he still goes in the top five because people, the Texans clearly bet on his 2019 freshman tape um, to show that what, you know, what, he, how good he was that year. Obviously the last two years were not as good. He was playing through some injuries. Um, there were some questions that were posed that were fair questions about, you know, going in, up and making tackles the last two years. Um, but the Texans bet on, bet on him anyway. And it set a great tone for the rest of the draft for LSU. Looking at the, the rest of the guys that, were drafted by LS, from LSU. Uh, Cade York w- was a little bit of a, a surprise, great kicker, but it's not every day that you see a kicker get taken that high. I mean, he was the highest kicker taken since Aguayo in, in 2016 was taken in the second round. And now, today, the Browns release both kickers that they already had on the roster. 
So Cade York going from a fourth-round draft pick to 48 hours later being the guy in, in Cleveland. It's, that, that part certainly isn't surprising because uh, the Browns director of player personnel uh, spoke after they drafted Cade and, and said that they hoped that he would solidify the position for them. Um, when you take a kicker in the fourth round, you know that's what you're wanting. Um, he, Cade has obviously proven that he was, I think, going to get drafted. It was just a matter of when and where because of the success that he's had. Uh, he was the best kicker coming out easily. Um, and the Browns were second to worst in the NFL um, in kicking uh, field goal percentage last year. I think it was about 72%. They needed an upgrade and a big one. And, and so they obviously went up and drafted Cade earlier than you might expect for a kicker. Um, but hoping that he'll solidify that spot. Um, he's earned it over the last few years. It's been incredible watching him kick, just the length that he has in his leg, um, how strong it is. Um, but we'll see if he can handle those you know, Cleveland conditions. Those can be maybe a little bit tough sometimes. Did you, did you find anybody from LSU that didn't get drafted that you thought maybe should or should have gotten drafted higher than they were? The only person that comes to mind on that was maybe Damone Clark um, going in the fifth round. Um, just because, you know, obviously he had the, the, you know, the spinal injury, he had to get the spinal fusion surgery. So his, he wasn't going to get drafted in the second round, but, um, it was great to see him get drafted in the fifth. Um, that was maybe a little bit higher, um, than some mocks had him in like the seventh, uh, because of that surgery. But it was also just great to see because he came into this draft out of his senior year as a second round, maybe even late first round talent. Um, and so it kind of was unfortunate to see him fall later in the draft as a result of that injury. Um, but for him to go in the fifth round was great. But other than that, it was mostly just surprising that as many LSU guys got drafted as they did coming off a sixth and seventh season. Um, they ended up with the second most picks out of any school in the draft with 10, only behind Georgia with its record setting 15. Um, really, it was more so like, oh, they got drafted? Oh, they got drafted? Wow. <laughs> it wasn't even, it wasn't, you know, kind of the other way around. It was incredible to see as many guys get drafted off of a team that last year obviously didn't have a lot of success as it did. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate has been our guest here on Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, have fun with with everything this week, you know, the, the four LSU baseball games uh, as the season starts to wind down. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All righty. Thanks for having me. Y'all have a good one. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll wrap up hour number one after this on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Houston Astros will look to get back on track when they host the Seattle Mariners tonight at Minute Maid Park. First pitch is scheduled for 7-10, and you can listen to the game live right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Met Miguez, James Mesh, a couple minutes left here in our number one. What are your thoughts on Tyron Matthew coming home? So far, 96% of you say, love it, who dat? 4% of you say, meh. So out of 25 people, one person has not said that they love it. Do me a favor. That that one person that, that is listening. 706-0111. We're not going to attack you. 
We just, just wanna, curious. We are just want to have a conversation as to as to why you feel that way. Are you just a LSU hater? Are you a troll? N- no, s- small person hater because Tyron's not very big. <laughs> so, like, what what's 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 your deal? It, we, again, just want to have a conversation. Just want to know your reasoning so that we can better understand and maybe convince you that this is the best thing that have happened that has happened to the Saints in a long time because it totally is. Hour number two, Ross Jackson will join us to agree with us on that topic, and we'll dive deep into the Saints draft, and we'll take your phone calls, as always, 706-0111. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh will continue after this top-of-the-hour sports update. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. It is, and we are, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We told you earlier that Tyron Matthew coming home seemed like it couldn't be a better story. Right? Well, I I just I'm seeing a tweet from Robert Griffin the third, better known as RG3, from this morning that I wish I would have seen earlier to further prove my point. And it reads like this the Saints bringing Tyron Matthew home sounds like a Hollywood movie script. Thank you. I'm pretty smart with these things. I know a thing or two. James Mesh, my guy, how, how are you ready to buy a Tyron Matthew jersey? Yeah, I tweeted about I can't find it. I was going to comment on my tweet and be like, all right, just need to wait on the official number. Because just like how you are with Olave, I'm waiting on I'm waiting right. on, I'm waiting on the actual number. Oh, oh Tyron Matthew has been added to that list. There will be two jerseys purchased now. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm getting an Alave and a Matthew. That that's going to happen. Just get the whole team. Right. Right. Just get the whole team at this point. Just just call the Saints. Hey, can I get one of each, please? Uh, each player. Large. Please. <laughs> mm, bigger than that. Well f- well for me. Uh, <laughs> well, actually I, my my Camaro jersey is a small since Oh my are god. Big. Jerseys are big. Oh my god. Did you just say your Camaro jersey is a small? Yeah. And it fits you? Yeah. Oh my god. It's a big jersey. M B N. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> this tweet from Chris Rosegalu is also incredibly true. Saints fans wanted Chris Alave. It happened. Saints fans wanted Tyron Matthew. It happened. Fun times. <laughs> Saints it, fans also want most other free agents, but they Saints, they do want Ju- Juice Landry. I don't know how likely that'll happen at this point, but maybe it's still in the courts. I think it is. I think it is. Maybe. Um, I, I don't think drafting Chris Olave, you know, takes that out of consideration. No, because because most people are like, well, you sign the veteran, but you still get the rookie. Well, because here's here's the thing. 
Chris Olave, with his size and speed, could play inside. He doesn't have to be out wide. He could line up in the slot. And then you sign Jarvis Landry to put him out wide opposite of Michael Thomas. So that could work. Um. Well, now, you, you probably paid Tyron Matthew probably a little more than you wanted to. So now the question becomes, can you afford Jarvis Landry? Maybe you kind of do a, a Quan deal. It's a one year. It's it's a lot smaller than maybe you would hope. But it all kind of just depends on how interested the Browns are. Because re- really, the Browns are the only competition. Yeah. And they've expressed that they have interest in rejoining again. I just I'm not too sure if it'll actually happen. Talking about the Astros earlier, they've got a game tonight against the Seattle Mariners. Uh this this tweet that got retweeted courtesy of the Apollo Network, or actually it's a tag from the Astros. Anyways, it's this guy's outfit for the game tonight. And I need to ask him a couple questions. I need to ask him where he got that hat because it's sweet. Where did he get the shoes? Where did he get the shoes? Because I need... Those Those have to be custom. Oh, those have are, to be. Those are custom. No way they're not. No way they're not. So for, for people listening, it is a pair of Nike Air Force Ones and high-top Air Force Ones. The toe starts off yellow and then it fades into the Astros orange. And then the heel is the night sky with stars. It, they're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, I'll actually, I will retweet it onto the game's Twitter page so that you guys can, can see it as well. The poll question of the day is how do you feel about Tyron Matthew returning home I know that you know that kind of sounds like an obvious question, but but some people might might be a little upset. Um, I know I talked to one of my friends today that he said that we overpaid for a old, injury prone, and slow defensive back. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of the reaction that I had. Anybody anybody thirty and older is probably offended at that point. Considering the man has not even turned 30 yet. He's not even 30. He's not even 30. He will be in 11 days, but man ain't 30 yet. Right. Uh, I mean, is does he run a 4-2? No. But he, he he's pretty fast. He's did you, did you see his LSU tape? Did you still <laughs> watch him? Did you watch him on the Chiefs, Texans, and Cardinals? He's pretty quick. He's pretty fast. And he's small, but I mean, there there are quite a few defensive backs that have been not the tallest, but still make a high impact, and he's one of them. Yeah, no, I mean, so, again, so seventy. I don't know if your friend is just trolling or if he's a buffoon, but <laughs> I mean, look at his look at his numbers. Look, I was gonna say the man has 600, 600 tackles in his career, and. Over 500 of them are him by himself. Yeah, solos. 41 tackles for loss as a safety. Yeah. 
He's hit the quarterback 25 times in his career. He's been to three Pro Bowls. He has been named to the AP first team three times. And you just a year ago, 76 tackles, three interceptions. One of them was returned for a touchdown. And he also grabbed three fumbles. Right. Like, I, I mean. Listen. And he's a Super Bowl champ, so he knows how he knows what it ne- you need to do to win. The honey badger takes what he wants. He really does. He takes what he wants. He wanted the Saints. He's taking them. I'm actually trying to cut up some clips for from that video. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, you are. So I just went and shared the outfit on the Twitter page. It is courtesy of King Tuck's Court. It is a fan page for Kyle Tucker. Cajun's softball this weekend, absolutely just masterful uh, in their three-game sweep of Coastal Carolina, 6-0, 6-3, and then 7-3 in the third game. They played a doubleheader on Saturday. And after the game, Coach Glasgow was asked, you know, how good it felt to get the sweep for the senior class on their way out. Uh, well, sweeps are hard for us this year, you know, and any sweep's good, but especially right now and senior weekend. Last year we let a game get away on senior weekend. We didn't want that to happen, and then for so many reasons we needed to sweep. South Alabama, we, we've got a narrow lead over them. We want to hold it, you know, just to, to keep our streak going, going into postseason for the committee. You know, we want the committee to know we're hot at the end of the year, and I think we won something like 21 out of our last 24 games, and we want to keep that streak going and keep growing, and, you know, just a lot of reasons. You know, we started the season 16-8, and eight, and now we're, we're coming on now. I think we're, we, you know, we've, we're really winning games consistently in different ways. A lot of reasons, but it felt really, really good to me and I'm sure the players. So, Coach Jerry Glasgow talked about how through the first 24, they were 16-8. and eight. Okay? So, to put that into perspective, since that 16-8 and eight point, they have played 25 games. And they are 22-3 and three in their last 25. Everybody talked about youth and experience, and all of it was true. I was one of them. However, this team has figured it out in Sunbelt Conference play. They have figured out what it's going to take to win, what it's going to take to make a run. And after what I've seen over the last 25 games, I mean, God, you've won 28% of your games? You haven't lost a conference series in seven years. This team, this team might surprise some people. I, I really, I really believe that. And Coach Glasgow talked about one player in particular who has really been consistent for him this season, and it's Melissa Mayu. So good on senior weekend, just the way you envision it. You know, I think she had five RBIs in that game, and she's just a great player. She works, nobody's worked harder in my coaching career. She's one of the best hard working day in, day out. Every day she works hard, and to see her have success her senior year and, and really uh, show out in front of the crowd on senior weekend is really fun. Speaking of Melissa Mayu, she was also asked post game this team's got a lot of depth, albeit youth depth. But still a lot of depth, no matter the lineup that they're facing. 
I think it's so important, like, nobody really cares where we are positioned in the lineup. It's just having great at bat, and I, I think once one people get it, and two people, three people, four, and then we just feed off of each other, and, and we just work from there. I don't think it really matters the order of it. Like, everybody can hit balls, bunt, run, like, we're, we're good. French accent from Melissa Mayu is pretty, uh, is pretty spot on. It's impressive. Should have got her to say croissant. Croissant. She's she's learned English pretty well. I'll I'll, I'll give her that in her time here. She's she's picked up on English fairly well. Yeah. Um. It was pretty cool. Coach Glasgow today at the press conference talked about how he wanted Kendra Lamb to pitch more this weekend than she normally would have because Kendra's parents flew from Sydney, Australia. To watch her play this weekend, uh, so they were in attendance at Lansing Park this weekend, which is pretty cool for uh, for your parents to fly literally across the world to watch you play college softball. It's pretty cool. Let's take a time out, and when we return, our guy Ross Jackson. I'm sure, he's got a lot to say about Tyron Matthew, as well as the five draft picks and the UDFAs, and what's next for the Saints. Crunch time with me, guys, and mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 2nd, 1998. Maurice native Kent DeSormo rides atop Real Quiet in the 124th Kentucky Derby. Real Quiet wins the running of the Roses with a time of 202.20. The win is the first of three Kentucky Derby wins for the Hall of Fame jockey. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Today is the day that you sign up to join the game clubhouse. Not only is it free, but you will get the chance to win some tremendous free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Now, the only way to win that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's is by becoming a member of the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. James, tell the fine folks when they should sign up. Right now. Right now. Unless you're driving. Got to keep you safe. Pull over and then do it or give it to whoever is in the passenger seat and have them do it. Right. And then tell them to do it on their phone. Uh, It's so easy a baby could do it. It's not hard. It's really easy. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We've been talking about the Saints a lot. Great weekend. Hit the draft out of the park. Signed some great UDFAs. And then just put icing on the cake by bringing home Tyron Matthew. Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints Network is here to talk about that, the draft, and what's next for the Saints. Ross, my man, happy Monday. What's going on? Hey, brother. Doing well, man. Glad to be here with you. Appreciate y'all having me back and having me on. Uh, excited about these moves that the New Orleans Saints have made. I, I'm with you, and, and I'm in an agreement, and I'm, I'm excited to break down all these moves with you. Okay, so, so question number one that I have for you, is it a little concerning to you that the, the Saints are kind of doing – Everything that fans have been asking them to do, because that's well, a first. I think, that, I, th- I think to an extent, 
that's all good. But don't do too much of just what the fans want to ask. No, but it, it's interesting, isn't it, right, to see the New Orleans Saints sort of in this situation to where these kind of feel like a different set of New Orleans Saints than we're used to, right? This doesn't feel like the New Orleans Saints that we're accustomed to. They went into the draft, they drafted for need. They've made a couple of big free agency signings. They make a big splash here with Tyron Matthew. This is a very different approach for a team that's leaning towards being defensive heavy as well as offensive heavy, all of these pieces, but have put together still a pretty good offense, an offense that's certainly going to be better in 2022 than it was one. And so it, it, it's interesting to see it actually happening to where, you know, fans are saying they want this, they want that, and then the Saints turn around and giving it to them so far. So you love to see it. Looking at the draft, you know, um, Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, DeMarco Jackson, Elante Taylor, and Jordan Jackson are, mm-hmm. you know, five really great picks. I'm a huge fan of three of them and still have a lot to learn about two of them. What are your thoughts on, on the draft class as a whole? I, I mean, I like this draft class a lot as well. All five of these players were players that I had looked at and at different points had mocked to the New Orleans Saints. I'll start with Chris Olave, who I think is arguably the, the biggest signing or the biggest selection there, right? This is a team that needed a new dynamic over on offense. They're getting Michael Thomas back in 2022 to pair with Jameis Winston. That's great. But you still needed something, some other dimension, some extra piece on that offensive side that could operate opposite Michael Thomas and give you more firepower. And I think that Chris Olave's ability to be able to work outside, work inside, guy that can run double moves, guy that can create natural separation like Michael Thomas. Essentially had one receiver last year that created more than three yards of separation per snap, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. And so now you've got two guys that can naturally do that down in and down out in Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas is going to draw a lot of attention, which means that Chris Olave is going to get a lot of one-on-one. And you want somebody that can win those one-on-ones, Chris Olave is somebody that can do that for you. Then they turn around and they add Trevor Penning. They get this really just the meanest player in the draft to add to their offensive line. They get some attitude added there, this smaller mentality, at a place where they had just lost. Really the only guy that really had that sort of mean mentality over the offensive line in Toronto Armstead. Now, they'll have some things to develop, Trevor Penning will. They'll have some technique things to figure out, but that's why the Saints brought in Doug Marone as their new offensive line coach. He's a fantastic developer of talent at that area of the football, and so I think that he's going to be able to get Trevor Penning up to speed in time to potentially even be the starter at left tackle week one. If not, they can fall back to James Hurst and be perfectly comfortable and just continue to prepare Trevor Penning to be the tackle for the future. Then you look at these last three selections, Alante Taylor, DeMarco Jackson, Jordan Jackson. All three of these guys have some special teams acumen there. Uh, DeMarco Jackson had a blocked punt um, uh, and played over 630 career snaps on special teams. Alante Taylor, over 500 snaps of special teams. A phenomenal special teamer in terms of a gunner. Great speed, 4-3-6. He's got a great build, but he's also going to compete at starting corner. I mean, Dennis Allen wants to see this guy go out there. And this is where we saw the Saints kind of go back to their usual sort of draft approach to where they drafted and tried to keep strength a strength, build competition, and address special teams. And they did that with those final selections. And I think Jordan Jackson, even though he's a seventh-round selection, he's coming out of Air Force. He's going to have a little bit of a talent jump as well. But he's somebody that can get in the mix with guys like Contavia Street and Shai Tuttle and, and Jaleel Johnson and all these other defensive tackles that are – set to operate next to David Onyemata. Remember, you don't have to be a starter on the New Orleans Saints defensive line to see meaningful snaps because of how much they rotate there. 
And now that you have Ryan Nielsen as the co-defensive coordinator as well as defensive line coach, I expect to see that get even more creative over time. So a guy that has this hyper-athleticism like Jordan Jackson does, I don't think it's going to be long until we see him get snaps as long as he can make it through camp, do the things he needs to do to make the roster, then he should see some snaps. Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints Network is joining us. Ross, you got to like getting two other guys on the roster with the same last name as you. Uh, I mean, they're, yeah, they're no they're no Ross Jackson, but <laughs> DeMarco and Jordan will do the trick. Um, and then, you know, a side note on DeMarco Jackson, me being a, a, a Cajuns guy and having covered the Cajuns for the last four years, I've gotten mm-hmm. four years of DeMarco Jackson. I know what he brings <laughs> to the table. Um, he might, outside of Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, he's my favorite selection that, that the Saints made. Uh, I think he was an absolute steal in, in the fifth round, and, and you talked about his special teams play, just a dynamite special teams player, which I think is what the, you know kind of lured him into the Saints, uh, which could yeah. could do a lot of good because the, the Saints are always looking for uh, for special teams help. My next, yeah, I mean they 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 allowed the the second most punt returns last year and the most punt returned yards allowed in 2021 like those special teams units that the new orleans saints are known for took a little bit of a step back particularly in punt return yards last year and so definitely something to watch and demarco jackson alante taylor jt gray these guys they all help they all play a key role in all of that yeah, no no question about it here's my next question you get chris Olave, you you signed a couple undrafted free agent wide receivers you have Michael Thomas coming back, and then you've already got you know Marquez Marquez Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Deontay Hardy. What's the likelihood that Jarvis Landry wears black and gold this year? I think it's pretty likely. I mean, I, well, let me not say that it's likely. Um, I, I think it would be a good move for the New Orleans Saints, and I think it's likely that they would be in on getting him to New Orleans, right? Like they would want him in New Orleans. I I, I like what the Saints have at wide receiver right now, if they went into 2022 exactly where they are right now with some of the, you know, some of the, the bottom of the roster folks trimmed, of course. But if they went in with, you know, uh, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, let's say Marquez Callaway, Deontay Hardy, and Traquan Smith, right? If they just went in with five wide receivers, they usually go five or six. So if they went in with those guys, and let's say maybe Jalen McCleskey, just for fun, sneaks on the roster, right? They're in a good place. They're in a pretty good place. But – if you can add Jarvis Landry, you just have endless versatility along that wide receiver core with a bunch of guys that can play inside and out, guys that can work in terms of short area quickness, but that can also work in terms of developing longer routes downfield, that can play at all three levels, that can win at all three levels. I still think that the New Orleans Saints, I know they got the big splash signing today in Tyron Matthew, but I don't know that they're necessarily done. You look at that contract that Tyron Matthew signed, Three years, $33 million, $11 million per year. You imagine the first year hit of that's going to be pretty low, probably bet minimum or a little bit less, or, or bet minimum in terms of base salary, and then a little bit on top of that with the signing bonuses, $18 million guaranteed, so some portion of that is signing bonuses as well. Saints could be in a really good position here to still continue to add in veteran free agency. So looking at positions like wide receiver for with a guy like Jarvis Landry, looking at positions like interior defensive line, and looking at positions like running back are still places where I think that they could look to add talent. Yeah, definitely a running back. Um, they clearly like the the kid out of Baylor. I mean, you, you don't sign you don't sign an undrafted free agent to a two hundred and twenty five thousand dollar deal, <laughs> and and not want to do something with him. So they they definitely like him. But you know, you you, you hit on something that that I haven't gotten the chance to ask you yet. Tyron Matthew coming home. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you you just can't write a better story than that, right? right? Yeah, no, it, it, it's an incredible story off the field, and it's going to be an incredible story on the field. I mean, the next time Tyron Matthew takes an NFL football field, he'll be in a New Orleans Saints jersey. He'll be in the jersey of the team that he grew up rooting for, a team that he grew up watching, that he grew up in the city of, all of that. And so I think that, like, just the poetic nature of him, you know, coming from New Orleans, getting back to New Orleans, being in Baton Rouge as well for his collegiate career. I mean, it's fantastic. And it's a fantastic signing for New Orleans. And you know that that's where they were headed right after the draft. I mean, you know, after all these selections were wrapped up and Mickey Loomis talked about one need being left, one must being left on the roster and that we could all probably figure it out. Yeah, it was, it was safety. And so I think that walking away with Tyron Matthew, who along with Marcus May, P.J. Williams, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, they just give you so much versatility. And for a team that loves to disguise their looks on the defensive side, particularly in the secondary with Dennis Allen, as much as the Saints do, it's a perfect fit and it allows you to do so much with these, you know, these versatile players that you have that are going to be able to, you know, rotate post-snap versus the look that they give you pre-snap. They're going to work on confusing a lot of quarterbacks. It's the way that they've approached playing and beating Tom Brady over the course of the past few seasons since he's been in the division is trying to confuse him. And they've done a good job of doing that, which is amazing to say, considering Tom Brady's like 70 years old playing in the NFL, and he's seen everything there is to see. And the Saints, Dennis Allen, they found a way to beat him with pre- versus post-snap looks. And now they get even more versatile. They get even more multiple on the defensive side. And they get one of the smartest players in football when it comes to the defensive side in Tyron Matthew. They get a phenomenal leader, and they get a fantastic communicator. And so one of the things that I think made the Saints defense so good over the course of the past couple of years while they've been top five scoring defenses is that they've had leaders, vocal leaders, at all three levels of defense. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins. They lost Malcolm Jenkins this offseason. And outside of just the stats, the play on the field, one of the big things you lost with Malcolm Jenkins was leadership. You just got it back with Tyron Matthew. And, and you know, it, it's funny, you know, you, you talked about Mickey Loomis touching on the, the position of need Saturday night, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of weeks ago when Tyron Matthew visited the facility and a deal didn't get done, I knew in that moment they were waiting until after the draft because... There, there's no way that e- even if Tyron Matthew lives in New Orleans and was in town, you don't just invite a guy to the facility. <laughs> like the the, the yeah, like it's not people just like come over for a cup of sugar, right? You know? Pe- people were like, oh, you know, he's just meeting the coaches. Uh, no, man, they're trying to work a deal. There, <laughs> there, there's no pleasantries being exchanged in there. I mean, they're that that just doesn't happen. And so when when a deal didn't get done right then, I knew that they were going to wait until the draft. And and it's well known that Dennis Allen wanted Jaquan Brisker out of uh, out of Penn State. And when he went one pick before the Saints, they pretty much knew that the Tyron Matthew was going to be their guy. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that that was smart by Tyron Matthew too. Just on on his case of that same situation is that if he would have signed with the New Orleans Saints before the draft, they could have potentially filled his role with a guy like Jaquan Brisker, and maybe he wouldn't have gotten the contract that he got or whatever. I, I think that it was smart on his part, too, to wait until after that compensatory period was done because, A, it allows him to sort of get back at Kansas City because he signs an $11 million per year deal that Kansas City won't get a compensatory pick on now. 
And it also allowed him to make sure that he was landing with the New Orleans Saints when there was a role carved out for him to play immediately. And then the other thing is, and this is a compliment to him, how patient he was able to be. Yep. Because, you know, sitting there waiting for, for a deal and so that you can get to work, you know, that can get guys tend to get impatient and, you know, they'll sign whatever deal comes their way. But, but the mm-hmm. way that he was able to, to wait and let things happen shows you how badly he wanted to play for the Saints. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He wanted to make sure that he was going to be able to sign and land in a place that he wanted to be and that he would be able to contribute to. And this is one of the reasons why, like, I kind of feel really good about the idea of a Jarvis Landry signing is because now you have Tyron Matthew in the building who can be your big time recruiter for the other former LSU Tiger. But I think there's something, there's the poetic nature around all of it, but then there's also just the logistical nature around all of it that you look at the fact that Tyron Matthew has a carved out, ready to go position that's going to allow him to contribute to the New Orleans Saints being successful in 2022. And I'm sure that his patience and just sort of the, the, the wherewithal that he had about making sure to not rush into any decisions, that that in Creden, was in credence to all that, right? Making sure that he landed somewhere where he was going to be able to contribute immediately and be a big part about you know, how that team performed in 2022 and the new Orleans Saints defense got better, right? They got better in 2022 now than they are, than they were in 2021. And Tyron Matthews is a huge part of that. Yeah. No question about it. Ross Jackson from the locked on saints network has been our guest. Ross, appreciate you taking the time, my man, always good talking with you. And, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you here in the not so distant future. Oh, absolutely. Always a pleasure to be on with you, bud. Thanks for having me on. And I'll talk to y'all here soon. Y'all take care. Stay safe. Ross Jackson, my guy, let's take a time out. And when we return, Some Raging Cajuns baseball. They're coming back home to Lampson Park after playing their last three conference series on the road. We'll talk about what that means for them going forward with a month left in the regular season. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. You could score a pair of VIP passes plus get the chance to meet the Cold War kids. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win those passes for Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. As always, the game hotline is open 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber Cajuns Baseball. Going to Boone, North Carolina this weekend, taking two out of three over App State. Game one was wildly entertaining. Uh, two to two after one inning. Louisiana then proceeded to get one in the second, two in the fourth, one in the sixth, three in the seventh, one in the eighth, and four in the ninth. 
Yeah, you heard that right. Nine runs, eight runs in the last three innings of the contest to win 14-3 to over the Mountaineers. James, what's funny? <laughs> you, you ever... You ever been at a restaurant and the server... This better be good. <laughs> the server says, enjoy your food, and you're like, you too? Mm-hmm. You ever done that before? Yeah. Okay, well, T just called and wanted to say, hey, like, it's a great time to be a Louisianian, especially like someone from Acadiana with all the sports and festival and stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And he said, y'all enjoy your show, and I said, you too. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's fair, though, because... No, but I, 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 the way I thought it was, uh, I was telling, hey, yeah, you have a good show too. Oh, yeah, yeah enjoy your food, server. <laughs> yeah, you, you too, bud. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, dang it. <laughs> the Cajuns just they they opened up that game Friday, fourteen hits, fourteen runs. That's a good. That's a good average. <laughs> that's pretty a, great. That's a, a great a run per hit. Yeah, that's pretty solid. I, I think it's you, a little more than solid. But yeah. if, if you look at App State's, they got nine hits and only three runs. Yeah, like that's that's a little more normal. Um, in this game, some of the some of the bigger moments: Heath Hood getting a home run, Julian Brock getting a home run, Carson Rockefort hitting a three-run homer in the seventh. That would be only one of. I want to say he had two three-run homers this weekend. No, that was his first... That was his one three-run... Second home run of the weekend is what it was. And then on Saturday, Saturday's game, 12-7, to Cajuns winning, getting seven runs in the first two innings of the contest. They would score a run in every inning except the sixth, eighth, and ninth to win it 12-7 to on 18 hits. Just the offense that the Cajuns have been able to put together so far this season has been unreal. Kyle DeBarge getting a home run in this game. Julian Brock getting a home run in this game. Max Marshak hitting a double. Tyler Robertson getting a double. Just the offensive firepower that this team has has shown over this, you know, nine games. They've they've played nine straight conference road games over the last couple of weeks and then they fell yesterday nine to four you know looking at it you scored two in the fourth and then you score one in the eighth one in the ninth it's five two most of the way but if you don't give up those four runs in the eighth it could be a totally different ball game maybe that home run in the ninth inning by Bobby Ladey means something maybe it matters um, you know, just too many gimmies. Uh, let's see, three of their runs were were from a from a hits batter or a walk. They walked with the bases loaded, and they hit a batter with the bases loaded. That's what it was. So two of their runs of their nine came three runs. No, I was right. I was right. Two. They walked two. And then one guy got hit by a pitch. So three of their nine runs came off of a gimme. Either a walk or a hit by a pitch. You you trim that up, it's 6-4 at that point. Who knows? that You could have a different different story going in w- with that. 
But one thing that I really wanted to touch on with Cajuns baseball is at the press conference this morning, I got some statistics from our guy Matt Sullivan, the the Cajuns baseball SID. So these are some statistics for the month of April. Okay, in the month of April, the Cajuns went thirteen and four. They were nine and two on the road, and they were twelve and two in the Sun Belt Conference in the month of April. Tyler Robertson hit three ninety seven. With six doubles, a triple, 14 RBIs. Julian Brock, 391. Five doubles, four homers, 16 RBIs. Connor Kimple's hitting 386. Two doubles, a triple, four homers, 10 RBIs. You've got seven, eight guys, eight guys total, hitting 300 plus. Six of them regularly in the lineup. Six guys in your lineup. And those six guys, Marshock, Hood, Rockefort, Kemple, Brock, Robertson, hitting 300-plus in the month of April. James, if, if you're a baseball coach, what, what, more, what, what more do you want? You really can't ask for much more. I mean, six, I'll be honest. six guys hitting over 300. Looking at your pitching staff, Jeff Wilson's carrying a 2.66 ERA. He's 3-0 and on the year. Your highest ERA out of a starter is Jacob Schultz at 3.82. I mean, really, in college baseball, you want to keep an ERA under four. And then looking at... I've got a statistic set here from... Their their seven game road trip that just just ended up it was App State, um, Georgia State, and then they had a, a midweek game in between. And in that seven game road trip, Julian Brock went five hundred, Heath Hood went five hundred, Carson Rockefort went four sixty seven. Connor Kimple 379, Tyler Robertson 333. Slugging percentages, Carson Rockefort had a slugging percentage over 1 on the road trip. 1.033. That is insane numbers. I was talking to Jay Walker about it today. Julian Brock may not be in a Cajuns uniform next season. The season he's having, especially now that his hitting is coming together, the kid's going to get drafted. Now, it depends on where he gets drafted, determines if he's going to return or not. If he goes in one of the top ten rounds, he's got to go. And you can't blame the kid. He's got to go. 11 through 20, you might look at it and go, well, you know, what's the signing bonus? Is it worth it? Who's the organization? You know, blah, blah, blah. All those little factors go into it. If it's one of the top 10 rounds, you're packing up and going wherever they tell you to. Plain and simple. So, Julian Brock playing well, draft eligible. Carson Rockefort playing out of his mind, but luckily for us, he is, or luckily for Cajuns fans, should I say, he is a true sophomore, meaning that he will return to the Vermilion in white. 
in 2022. Cajuns baseball will be at home this weekend to take on UT Arlington Friday at 6, Saturday at 4, Sunday at 1. If you've got time on on Sunday, if you make it out to the game for Sunday, really cool pregame experience. All the mothers throw the ceremonial first pitches to their sons in honor of Mother's Day. Pretty cool stuff. One last time out here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. When we come back, we'll update the poll question and wrap up your Monday. This is the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys. I'm Matt here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We'll wrap up the show here. What are your thoughts on Tyron Matthew coming home? So far, 96.6% of you say that you love it. 3.4% saying, eh, I'm surprised that nobody said that we paid too much. That's intriguing. Uh, I would have thought that some people thought that that we were we were paying too much. James, you you your Celtics, bro. What happened? Got punched in the mot. Got punched in the mot. He says they were so they were so used to these small lineups for the Nets where they're literally. Putting six six three guards at power forward. Well, how how are you gonna fix it? Not them. How are you gonna fix it? How am I gonna right. fix it? You, James Mash, how are you gonna fix it? I'm gonna tweet about it more. Hey, there you go. There it is. There you go. There it is. No, but seriously, how can they fix it? I mean, they're gonna have to get used to the physicality. They weren't they were used to being the aggressors with the Nets. They have to get used to that same ability. You you're going to have to attack the paint. I get it. Milwaukee's whole thing is protecting the paint and being like, you can shoot from the perimeter. That's fine. I'm not super worried about it, which Celtics don't mind taking threes, but they don't hit a whole bunch of them. Or if you're going to take 49 threes, I hope you make 22 of them. Yeah. And they did They did not do that. What, they shoot 50? They shoot. They shot forty nine at one point. Forty nine. Because I w- I wasn't expecting you to go that route, so I didn't have the stats ready. I think they shot fifty. And what would they make? They went eighteen for fifty. Eighteen for so thirty six percent. That's not great. No, as a team. No, that's not terrible. Especially not especially from your two superstars. Right. Like Tatum played awful, and Jalen Brown played even worse. Right. Marcus Smart got injured, and Robert Williams, like both Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, got injured a total of four times in that game. Like they were not used to the physicality; they weren't used to the length because they're used to, like I said, the six-three guards playing forward. Right. They weren't used to Milwaukee having the height advantage at that point. Milwaukee doesn't play around, man. No, like they're good. Like I said, you got punched in the mouth. They they might repeat. You're you're gonna have to respond. Like yep. you have to take advantage. No, no of, question about it. Of Chris Milton being out. 
the Astros coming up in about an hour right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. want to take this opportunity to thank Wilson Alexander as well as Ross Jackson for joining us, for James Mesh. Appreciate everything you do, my man. I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, and we will talk to y'all tomorrow on a Taco Tuesday. And on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, we are Southwest Louisiana's sports station.